Hot Mess. Sponsored by Mason Hazen Curran, experts in renewable energy. Find out more on mhc.ie forward slash energy 22. Are you more concerned about the protection of a painting or the protection of our planet? Courting controversy in pursuit of climate justice. Since the beginning of October, the Just Stop Oil campaign has made its point by covering impressionist masterpieces in baked beans or spray painting luxury goods shops. So poor is the response to the climate crisis that they feel justified in escalating from civil disobedience to acts of civil resistance. I don't see how damaging a painting will change anyone's mind. Listeners to Liveline were for the most part unimpressed. How is destroying a Van Gogh or even attempting to destroy it or making that statement going to change, not going to make any difference? Usually upper middle class students with nothing better to do but spend daddy's money. The moral dilemma, though, of whether we should or shouldn't leave fossil fuels in the ground has not really seemed relevant to Irish experience. We've banned exploration for oil and gas for a number of years now. This is one for other countries to wrestle with, not us. Except that's not the case. It's very relevant. And it's a story that you haven't heard before. In September 2019, the energy behind Greta Thunberg's school strike for the climate movement was probably at its peak. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. She sailed across the Atlantic to attend the United Nations Climate Action Summit in New York. It is insane that a 16-year-old will have to cross the Atlantic Ocean to, to make a stand political energy any shrewd politician would want to harness. Greetings in that video from Pope Francis. So um, our next speaker is um, His Excellency Leo Varadkar, the Prime Minister of Ireland. National leaders who wanted to speak from the same platform as Thunberg at the United Nations had to be announcing a new climate action policy. It was, after all, illustrious company. You had to earn your place. But much of what the then Taoiseach announced was familiar to an Irish audience, not new climate action at all. Then came the bit that hadn't been heard before, a ban on future exploration for oil. Last week, on foot of a request from me, our Independent Climate Change Advisory Council recommended that exploration for oil should end, as it's incompatible with a low-carbon future. Following years of lobbying by environmental NGOs that leaving fossil fuels in the ground was the most effective form of climate action, Varadkar was now going to do exactly that, following the advice of the government's own expert panel. I accept this advice and Ireland will now act on it. But across the Atlantic, in the offices of a small offshore exploration company called Europa, the announcement caused mayhem. There was no consultation with the uh, industry, so nobody from the industry knew anything about that in advance. The IAA didn't know anything. It was completely out of the blue. When we contacted the department, it seemed that they didn't know much about it either. I think they, they, the, the impression I had from talking to people in the department that they hadn't been consulted on the announcement. Brian O'Cahan is the chairman of Europa. 
they had been negotiating a deal with Asian investors for months and they were on the brink of signing contracts. The deal just needed to be rubber-stamped by the investors' government. But Varadkar's unexpected announcement ended any hope of that, according to O'Cahan. The approval from the national government in the Far East never came and that company pulled out of Ireland altogether. Did your investors tell you that they were withdrawing from your project specifically as a result or a consequence of the Taoiseach speech? Yes. That they, they, they were categorical about that? Yes, yes they did, yeah. What was lost? Brian O'Cahan maintains that the project had a one in three chance of providing Ireland with 100% of its gas needs within a year of right now, if it had gone ahead. If that well had come in, uh, in in 2020, we would be now looking at developing another field the same size of Corb, which would be, you know, a, a major contribution to Irish uh, security of supply. But it could still be if that had been discovered in 2020, it would be looking at coming on stream in 2024, 2025. Now that's quite a claim, and it needs a lot closer scrutiny, which we will get to. But imagine if it's actually correct. How different a place would Ireland be in right now? This is Hot Mess. I'm Philip Boucher-Hayes. Does the energy crisis mean that we should reverse policy on leaving fossil fuels in the ground? Or is the cost of drilling even greater? Episode 13, The Inish K Prospect. Russia's use of gas as a weapon of war has made energy very expensive. But there's an even bigger problem too. Some serious people, the kind not given to being alarmist, are saying that the climate crisis has increased the possibility of rationing or blackout due to energy shortages. We've had three occasions this summer when National Grid warned that we might run out of electricity. We could be looking at rationing. Ireland is, to all intents and purposes, an extension of the UK gas network. Shortage there will have a knock-on here. Unfortunately, the connection with France is now running in export mode, so we're actually exporting to France rather than importing. And an unusual lack of rain in Norway placed its hydroelectric generators under pressure. At the moment, we're still importing from Norway, but the Norwegian parliament is looking at making a political decision to intervene in the market and restrict those exports. The message of 2022 on the energy landscape has been, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. And the whole thing is incredibly precariously balanced right now. The market and and politicians are hoping for a lot of very benign scenarios. You do not want to see a major pipeline from the North Sea go down this winter. But these things happen. This market's on a knife edge right now. Only five or six years ago, Ireland was in a much more self-sufficient and energy-secure place. Well, if you don't stop to work tomorrow morning, bodies will stop for And die! In 2015, the years of government support for the enormously unpopular Corrib gas pipeline were finally rewarded as production at the facility began. The next year, 66% of Ireland's gas demand was being met by the project. Our reliance on gas from the UK was reduced dramatically. But then, 
politics shifted in response to a different protest. After many years of successive governments taking no meaningful action, the energy behind the school strike movement was embraced. Future exploration for oil and gas in Irish waters was knocked on the head. And in Glasgow at COP26 last year, Ireland announced that it was joining the Beyond Oil and Gas Alliance, an international coalition of climate action progressive nations who pledged to leave it in the ground. We have to tackle the problem at source, at the minehead, at the wellhead, the gas pipeline. But the last 12 months have changed all the calculations again. An outright shortage of gas it can be very, very serious. They would need to do things such as shut off the interconnector pipelines that run back to the EU. Having our own indigenous source of gas to see us through the transition to renewable energy over the next 10 to 15 years suddenly looks like a vital national interest. Welcome back to the conversation, Big Oil and Gas. section. So this is going down through the earth. That graphic representation would suggest to me that your prospect, Inishki as you call it, is at least the same size as Corrib. You can see the sizes here. So Corrib is one trillion cubic feet. That's that's the reserves that Corrib is more or less. I think it's slightly smaller than that. Inishki is a little bit bigger, 1.5, and then the slime high is slightly smaller, 0.8. But they're, you know, the orders of magnitude, they're the same. Yeah. Brian O'Cahan, Europa Explorations chairman, presents the Inishke prospect as a no-brainer for Ireland. If it were given the go-ahead, the financial risk of there being nothing there when they drill would be borne by the company and its backers, not by the taxpayer. And if they found gas, there would be no new infrastructure or planning permission needed. Under the sea, it would simply piggyback on the existing pipeline of its next-door neighbour, Corrib we could potentially tap into that landfill which already exists so there's no more way leaves, you don't have to disturb the seabed, you don't have to build a new terminal. That's a huge advantage. No planning permission, basically. Well, because you're not doing anything new onshore, there's no planning permission. Obviously, you still have to have the approval of the department, but that's a much more technical process. There'd be no environmental impact assessments, no planning permission, because you're not really having an environmental impact, other than the, 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 the normal, very limited impact that you have when you drill a well. You're taking potentially six or seven years out of the process if you add in judicial reviews and time on board planola and so on. I think six or seven years is conservative, more like ten, I would say. You know. But what about the emissions? The government has taken the decision to build five new gas turbine stations for the generation of electricity while we develop wind and solar power. They're going to be around for 20 or more years. O'Cahan claims that there would be less emissions from Irish gas rather than imported natural gas. The carbon dioxide emissions associated with indigenous gas production are an order of magnitude lower than they are with gas which comes from far away. You would be selling that gas back at market price. You wouldn't be doing Ireland any favours, would you, by offering it at a discount rate? No, the gas is sold at market price uh, under the current um, market conditions. This project would have been an answer to Ireland's problems of energy security, but not necessarily the cost of living crisis and the price of electricity now. Correct. So if it exists at all, we wouldn't be getting this gas cheaply. The owners of the well would also be making a lot of money out of it. But we're going to be burning gas in five new stations anyway till we build enough wind turbines to take over. 
So why not make it Irish gas and remove at least one headache? It's a simple and seductive argument. The people who led the charge on getting the Irish government to ban oil and gas exploration were friends of the earth. And difficult as the situation is today, not only are they not for turning on this, they don't think that the ban went far enough. The fight isn't over. We're very conscious of the fact that in Friends of the Earth that there are several current licences still in place from fossil fuel companies. Jerry McEvely, Friends of the Earth Ireland's head of policy change. If gas was brought on stream from those fields, the huge risk is that we are essentially locked in to fossil gas for decades to come. Aren't we locked into fossil gas, though, for decades to come, or for at least a decade while we transition to renewable energy? The short answer to that is it's a choice. So at the moment, absolutely, gas is integral to uh, to our electricity system. However, when we look to the 2030s, gas has to decline as soon as possible if we're to be in line with our Paris Agreement commitments, but decline in, in, the, in the 2030s and, in, and a rapid phase-out in the 2040s. Are you not worried about the greater damage to the climate action agenda, though, if the lights go off and if the public associates climate action with power cuts? This is a fossil fuel-driven crisis, what we're facing at the moment, and the answer to a fossil fuel crisis is not more fossil fuels. We'd be so much better off if we had been building offshore turbines for the last 20 years. But we didn't. So we will remain, despite Friends of the Earth's best intentions, dependent on gas for a long time to come. Academics in UCC reckon that by the end of the decade, we're still going to be using 80% of the amount of gas that we are today. So both the men from Big Oil and Big Earth are right. We need to drill we need to leave it in the ground. There is no right decision here. There are only degrees of cost and pain associated with whichever decision we take. And which one should we take? That's after the break. Sponsored by Mason Hayes and Curran, your energy and ESG legal experts in Ireland. Find out more on mhc.ie forward slash energy 22. So the big question for this programme, did the then Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, make the wrong choice in 2019? Here we've all been inspired by children and young people who've embraced this cause. At the United Nations, he told the world that he was banning oil exploration in Ireland. Our Independent Climate Change Advisory Council recommended that exploration for oil should end. Because it's often impossible to tell the difference between oil and gas until you drill, this meant an effective end to gas as well as oil exploration. Though he seems not to have received all of the advice available on this. They recommended that exploration for natural gas should continue for now as a transition fuel which we will need for decades to come. Had he consulted the industry, Brian O'Cahan from Europa Exploration says that he would have learned that if he'd held off at that announcement for a few months, that the Inishke prospect might have given Ireland a one-in-three shot at energy independence. But the then Taoiseach 
ended that possibility. Had we gone ahead with the deal, that well would have been drilled in 2020 or 2021, and uh, you know it, it could have been on stream by sort of 2023, say. Now let's not be naive. Fossil fuel exploration companies always present the rosiest picture of their prospects in order to get financial backing. And the Inishkei prospect may have no better than a snowball's chance. But if Brian O'Cahan and his backers are taking all of the financial risk of drilling and not the taxpayer, what harm in letting them see if there is something down there? That with core probably would have been enough to supply certainly the majority of the Irish gas market. Did Leo Varadkar choose to make a brave statement about Ireland's climate action credentials rather than a logical step towards a sustainable and renewable power future? Had he consulted the oil and gas industry, might Ireland have become energy secure in the next two years? The Tornista spokesperson and the Energy Department sent me statements in response to a request for interview. If Leo Varadkar consulted anyone in the industry before making his announcement at the United Nations, the statement makes no mention of it. Delegates, I believe we have a chance here, a chance to replace a climate of fear and anxiety with a new climate of action and opportunity. Is it too late to reverse this decision? Is it desirable to even consider doing it? There are, as you would expect, very different views on the subject. If the decision was yours to make, would you drill in this area? Certainly, I believe that the government should approve drilling in that area. Jerry Duggan is a member of the Academy of Engineers. He used to be responsible in the ESB for securing the fuel that powered our generating stations. We have to look at all reasonable prospects, given the level of in existing infrastructure in the area. The costs of development would be very low and effectively uh, the rewards would be very high in terms of national energy security. Do you say that while also paying attention though to everything that we know about emissions and the burning of fossil fuels and all of the projections about how much we have to decrease those by in the next two to three years? It is not possible to replace natural gas and electricity generation in two, three or even within a decade. We can increase renewable generation and we should and increase as fast as we can. But our renewable resources, unlike those in some other countries, are effectively predominantly wind, which is both intermittent and unpredictable in the Irish context. That means it has to be backed up by some other form of electricity generation and natural gas is the best fossil fuel at doing that. What are even the most optimistic projections about how long gas is going to be a part of our energy mix? Mari in, down in UCCU do quite significant research in this area have indicated that even with the projected development of renewable generation in this country by 2030 we will be using 80% of the gas for electricity generation that we're currently using. So even if we meet all of those renewable targets we have set for ourselves, we are still going to be using four-fifths of the amount of gas that we're using today. For power generation, yes. Logical and eminently pragmatic. But an engineer is really only concerned with keeping the lights on. That's their brief. There is a wider perspective to fossil fuel extraction, whether from Ireland or from abroad. The climate impacts of burning gas 
will kill people. So if you do a huge big uh, oil and gas project, you can easily calculate how many people you are going to kill with that project. That's Kjell Kuna. He is an academic and one of the directors of the Keep It In The Ground movement. He's calculated the social and mortality impact of burning fossil fuels rather than leaving them in the ground. And he says that the financial costs to wider society far exceed the profits that the oil companies would make or what governments take in taxes. And I think that those numbers should be part of the conversation. Uh, the damages are also quantified. It's called the social cost of carbon. It's about 400 US dollars per ton of CO2. So that comes to about $175 per barrel of oil. That's much more than you, you reap in profit from it. We will burn a volume of gas equivalent to what's in the Inishke prospect, whether it comes from Ireland or from Russia over the course of the next 10 to 15 years. I asked Kjell Kuna, was it possible to calculate the number of lives that would be lost to climate impacts from burning that gas, regardless of where it came from? Yeah, that would mean about 57 million tonnes of CO2, and that would kill about 18,000 people. 18,000 lives around the world as sea levels rise, as temperatures rise, and the other impacts of climate change are felt. Yes, I would hope that nobody in Ireland would die, but you never know. Well, maybe you can compare it to a, to a, a town that you know in Ireland and uh, just to make it more visual and include that, include that number uh, in your discussion about uh, Ireland's energy future because these people are, you know, they have families, they have names, they have histories and uh, uh, they have people mourning for them and just just think about the the amount of suffering you um, putting upon other people by such a decision. Europa Oil's Brian O'Cahan says the figure of 18,000 deaths is alarmist, but it was calculated using a formula published and peer-reviewed in one of the most reputable science journals in the world. The uncomfortable thing though is that amount of gas will probably be burnt here, whether it comes from Ireland or abroad. If you look at climate science and compare the amount of oil, gas and coal that we have discovered on this planet with the amount of CO2 that we can emit if we want to stop short of triggering runaway climate change, we must leave most of what we know in the ground. Both Kjell Kuna and Jerry Duggan are correct in response to the questions that I asked them. How do we keep the lights on? How do we stop killing humankind? It's up to us to decide which of the questions is the right one. usually determines public policy on most matters in this country. The business case. Which is better business for Ireland? Leaving it in the ground or drilling to attain energy security? What we need to talk about, if we're talking about offshore drilling, I assume it's in this context of we need this for energy security. Dr Aideen O'Doherty is an accountancy professor in DCU Business School. A bean counter, yes, but one who specialises in counting social and environmental costs and not just pounds, shilling and pence. 
it's incorrect to talk about energy security without talking about climate. So we have to talk about the climate imperative first. It has to be prefaced by this. So climate change is bad for energy security, destroys infrastructure, it shuts down supply chains. So that's the first thing to note, that fossil fuels do not provide security of supply. Because Even in Ireland, where the impacts of climate change are going to be comparatively mild to other parts of the world? That argument doesn't really hold up because we're already seeing the impacts of climate change in, in we saw them in the continent of Europe this, this summer. So Ireland is not, and those impacts are worse than we thought they would be. So Ireland is not a safe place to be. We can't just burn and drill and as much as we want and and expect other countries to, to take the fall for that. We will also we will also see the effects and we are. Very often what is seen as good business is what yields the best quarterly return or the greatest dividend for shareholders. Dr. O'Doherty's analysis is that the best business model is the business that acts sustainably now so that it's going to be around in the future. In the short, medium and long term, climate change is not good for business. Climate risk is associated with financial risk also. So there's a statistic, Swiss Ray has calculated that if climate mitigation measures are not taken, then the world economy could lose up to 18% of GDP. can't tie this one up neatly with a pretty little bow. Crippling energy costs today versus a crippled planet tomorrow. The solutions to both are uncomfortable, they involve sacrifice and suffering that will be borne by the most poor among us. The Inishke prospect is a great example of how we need to ask ourselves a very fundamental question about our priorities. Energy crisis versus planetary collapse cost of living crisis versus thousands of deaths around the world. The problems of today versus those of tomorrow. And the decision we have to make, which matters more to us. If you found this programme interesting, there are others in previous series available. How bad will business as usual be for the junior infants of today at the end of their lives? Are we the biggest obstacle to meaningful climate change? You can download Hot Mess wherever you get your podcasts. Hot Mess, sponsored by Mason Hazen Curran, a powerhouse in legal advice in Ireland. Find out more on mhc.ie forward slash energy 22.